Thank you for taking time to listen to our service. We're happy you've joined us today. Visit NBCOcala.com to find out more about who we are as a ministry or get information about upcoming events. There you can also discover all the convenient ways to partner with us financially. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the service. Amen. Help me welcome our internet family, if you would. God bless you guys. Glad you're with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. Let me set up just a couple of things uh, to preface uh, the message this morning. We have really found out that in ministry, ministry is people prepare. Ministry is also people repair. And uh, especially when we come to the subject of family, I think there's a healthy dose needed of both prepare and repair. This is a series that we're in. We believe that a series is a season. Everybody say season. It's a season where we believe God is speaking something to us as as a church family. It is meant to help you. It's meant to help all of us. It's meant to help you personally, uh, your situation. It's also meant to help you to help others. And I think we have to keep that view. It's not just about me being helped. It's about me being helped so one day I can help somebody else. And it's amazing how God can take our scars and our tragedies and he can turn them into something to, to help others as well. Um, the message is for everybody today. Don't exempt yourself. Um, you know, maybe we're not speaking uh, directly, specifically to your situation, your, your family situation, your marital status, or whatever it would be. But include yourself. Don't exclude yourself because you don't want to miss this. Also, let me say that this is not a house of condemnation, okay? I'm not going to be preaching at anybody. Um, sometimes people, their own guilty conscience, think that I am. I'm not. And um, what I want to do, though, is bring to you grace and truth. That's what this is a house of, is grace and truth. Remember in John three seventeen, it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So Jesus came not to condemn but to save. And then in John 1, 14, it says that, that he came full of grace and truth. So what is it that helps us? What is it that saves us, rescues us, makes us whole? It's grace and truth. So this is not a house of condemnation. This is a house of grace and truth. And all of this is about helping every one of us to move from where we are to where God wants us to be. And I don't want you to ever hear that wrong, moving us from where we are to where God wants us to be. Don't hear that as God disapproving. It's God wanting you to have more. It's God wanting to to help you and, and, and make things better, as, as we talked about. So we're going to uh, dig into this this morning, and I pray that you'll be all eyes and ears. Now, I threatened uh, after first service that in the second and third service, I was going to separate all couples so they wouldn't sit next to each other, because there's times where you want to give an amen, but you can't because they're right they're, they're just right there. So uh, too late. Maybe I'll remember to do it for third service. Hey, online, sometimes there's something called a meme, and uh, I found one this week I thought was pretty, pretty funny. I wanted to show you here. I went by the house I grew up in and asked if I could go in and look around. They said no and slammed the door. My parents can be so rude some, sometimes. True, true story. Hey, let's look today at conquering conflict. Conquering conflict will begin in Proverbs 17. Proverbs 17, verse 14, in the message paraphrase, says, The start of a quarrel is like a leak in a dam, so stop it before it bursts. 
if that dam bursts, there's so much potential damage that can happen to anyone within proximity there and downstream, so to speak. So the best thing to do is to stop a quarrel before it even starts because of what could happen for it. I want to make sure that our mindset is we're not fighting against our family. We're not fighting our family. We're fighting for our family. And we may have to relearn a few things. I don't know about you, but not everything was taught to me quite right. And certainly things were not modeled quite right. So we've learned a few things uh, a little wrong. I mean, when I was, when I was growing up, and I was talking about this the other day with my wife, it seemed like my parents, my coaches, my teachers, everybody around me thought the only way to motivate people was to yell at them. And if, and if that's the only way you instruct people is through yelling at them, that's like trying to drive your car with the horn. You know, and, and there are better ways. I said there are better ways. Amen. So conflict can damage a family and conflict can kill a marriage. And all of us have been damaged just by being around conflict. But that conflict can damage a family. It can kill a marriage. Look in Mark chapter 3, verse 25. And if a house is divided against itself... That house cannot stand. Then in the New Living Translation, it says, similarly, a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. So we need some help. We need some help. And um, we're going to get some good help from God's Word this morning. I think it should be a mandatory law. It should be a federal requirement. And if I'm elected, no, I'm not running. <laughs> I am not interested in running. Um, just make it a law that everyone, if you get engaged that you are forced to go through conflict resolution training. Because this, this is the issue. This is the issue that, that causes so, so much problem and, and angst is, you know, conflict. I heard about a couple, they got into an argument one evening and they just, you ever been in one of those arguments you just can't find your way out? It just goes on and on and on. So finally they had exhausted words, so they decided to just give each other the silent treatment. So he remembers, though, as he's preparing for bed, he's got a, a business trip early the next morning. So and usually she will help him on those mornings to make sure he gets up on time. So he was going to tell her, I've got to get up at 5, but he thought, I'm not breaking the silence. So he writes a note to her, wake me at 5, puts it by her side of the bed. Goes through the night, he wakes up at 8.15. He gets up, he's pacing around, he's mad, he's missed his flight. He goes back into the room to confront her about it, and he notices on the nightstand next to his side of the bed is a note. So he opens it up and it says, wake up, it's five. (laughs) So, there are better ways, y'all. There are better ways. Well, here's, here's the reason for conflict. The reason for conflict is competing desires. Competing desires. Think in a marriage for a moment. I want what I want. She wants what she wants. And it's in all kinds of things in, in, in life. You know, it's, uh, you know, here's a big fight starter right here. The electric blanket with a single control. <laughs> or the remote control. Notice the common word in both of those. Control. Or choosing a restaurant or this or that. You know, it's, you have competing desires. I want this, they want that. 
um, or the radio, listening to the radio. And, uh, probably about a year or so ago, we were driving along, and um, Third Day came on the radio. I'm listening to, how many of you like Third Day? I just, I'm, they just lay into it, and I like it. And I'm listening to Third Day, and my wife changed the channel. I what would you do that for? And she said, you don't like Third Day. And I go, yes, I do. She goes, no, you don't. I said, actually, I really do. And she goes, oh, yeah, it's me that doesn't like them. I got her permission to share that today. And she told me to make sure, third day, in case you're listening, she really does respect your artistry. She just doesn't like the style. So, anyway. so here's some of our reactions to conflict. First of all is my way. My way. That means I must win. Second would be no way. And that's you just avoid conflict. Third would be your way. You just give in. Fourth would be this, halfway. Halfway is better than the first three. But the best way would be this, our way, our way. Where you have mutual goals, you're aware of what they want, aware of what you want, and you're able to, in a mature, godly way, kind of arrive at something that can be our way. So what I want to do this morning, and I'm going to move fast, so hold on. I'm going to cover way more than I want to cover. But I cannot just give you bits and pieces of this, and six weeks from now, we're still not done, and you're still fighting, okay? So we want to dive in. I'm going to give you eight steps this morning, eight keys, if you will, to help us to conquer conflict. Um, And let me just say this. I know families are fragile. I know people are hurting. I know there's some marriages that are going through some stuff. Wednesday night after service, I finished service and said, if you need prayer for anything, we're down here. And I prayed with numerous people, and, and the common theme was marriage and family, marriage and family, marriage and family. And so God will help us. And I believe that he's going to help us today. Thank you, all three of you. Amen. First of all, number one, find peace with God. Find peace with God. If you're not a Christian, become a Christian. If you're not a believer, become a believer. If you are a believer, if you are a Christian, surrender to God. Commit your life to him. Commit your marriage. Commit your family to the Lord. You, you cannot do this in your own strength. You cannot do this in your own way. But find peace with God because if you're, if you're not surrendered to him, you're not at peace with God. You're in, you're in conflict with God. You're doing it your own way. Uh, you have your own ideas and thoughts and it's running contrary to his ways. And so we have to have peace with God. And what happens, peace with God makes way for peace with others. When you're at peace with God, you can be at peace with yourself and you can be at peace with others. Look, look with me in, um, where to go? Ephesians chapter 2. As parts of the same body, our anger against each other has disappeared, for both of us have been reconciled to God. Both of us reconciled to God. And, as the, and so the feud ended at last at the cross. And I just believe this, that peace with God can help make way for peace with each other. And I'm going to say something pretty bold here. I think most conflicts could be resolved overnight if both couples just yielded to Jesus. Amen. Think about it. If you're both believers and you're both yielded to Jesus, Jesus is not going to fight against himself. And he dwells in you and he dwells in the other one. You know, and I'm talking about the ideal here. I think most things could be resolved overnight because Jesus won't fight himself. And if the 
if the presence and the, and the fruit of the Spirit is evident and active in a person's life, both people, I think we're going to come to peace pretty quick. And again, the Holy Spirit will help you have the desire to do this and give you the power to do this because you cannot do this in human effort alone. Second would be this, pray about it. Pray about it. That means talk to God about what's going on. And talk to God, pray about it before. Everybody say before. Before you go to them. So before we engage in conflict and arguing or whatever, before you even do that, talk to God. Pray about it. In James chapter 4 in the New Testament, it says you quarrel and you fight. You quarrel and you fight. And then in the same passage, just a little bit further, same context, you quarrel and you fight. And it says, and you do not have because you do not ask. And so I just think God would help us. Sometimes just to give you the grace, the patience to overlook a transgression, to overlook something, or to know how to handle it in a proper way. But we need to talk to God about it. We need to pray about it. Thirdly would be this. Check yourself. Everybody say, check yourself. You need to honestly ask, how much of this is my fault? Now, how many of you have been in an argument and you knew none of this is my fault? Come on, raise your hand. See, and some of you refuse to raise your hand because you're sitting by them, see? But we've all had those times, I, this is not me. None of this is me. And then if you're like me, though, there are other times where you knew you were wrong, but you stayed in the fray. You knew you were wrong, and yet you kept fighting for what? I don't know. You know, and then that's not good either. So what we do is we check ourselves before you blame, before you accuse, before you attack, before you argue, argue, check yourself. Look at Matthew chapter 7. It says, why then do you look at the speck in your brother's eye or in the other person's eye, speck, everybody say speck, and pay no attention to the telephone pole (laughs) in your own eye? Verse 4. How dare you say to your brother, to the other person, please let me take that speck out of your eye when you have a log in your own eye. Verse 5, you hypocrite. I didn't say this. It's just this said. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will be able to see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And so check yourself. Check yourself first. We all have blind spots. How many of you would admit we have blind spots? You know, and so we got to check ourselves. Um, my resting face is grumpy. I'm, I'm the happiest guy you can meet. I, I live essentially carefree, seriously. Inside, I'm happy. But my resting face sometimes does not say so. I'm working on it. You know, and so we have blind spots. And sometimes Alicia go, what are you mad about? Nothing could have fooled me. Now it's on, okay? You know? <laughs> but we have blind spots. Sometimes we come across as demanding, insensitive, selfish, ungrateful. Our tone can be off. And then if we, 1 John 1, 8 says, if you claim to be without sin, get this now, if you claim to be without sin or fault, you deceive yourself. So if in any situation you claim no fault on my end, no sin on my part, you deceive yourself. And honestly, you're the only one deceived whenever we make claims of having no fault. Number four would be this. Have a powwow. 
have a powwow. By that, you need to have a peace conference. You need to sometimes, you need to say, could we talk? Could we talk? Instead of dealing with conflict always in a reactionary way, sometimes we want to be preemptive and talk about something. Say, can we talk? Let me give you a principle here, and it's this. Good communication permits progress. Read that with me. Good communication permits progress. One more time. Good communication permits progress. And so we've got to talk about things sometimes because conflict is rarely settled accidentally. It rarely just fixes itself. We must be intentional about doing this. But choose the right time, choose the right place. No lie, a couple weeks ago, I'm standing in line at the grocery store and the couple ahead of me waiting to pay gets into it there. It makes them look bad. Everybody gets uptight, you know, and it's like, that's just, that's just poor management of your life, of your marriage, of anything else, you know? So there is a time and a place and choose the right time and choose the, the right place. And again, pray before, pray before you engage in conflict resolution. And then when you do sit down to talk, come ready and come positive, come ready to get resolve. Okay. Don't come ready to fight. This is not junior high, okay? We're going to get, there's a fight after school behind the gym. You know, it's not, no, no, we're not, we're trying to resolve something. We're trying to get at peace. And so have a powwow, be able to talk. Now, if you're going to talk and you should, number five is this, establish ground rules. Establish ground rules. What do I mean by that? You know, there are, um, between countries, arms reduction treaties, So it would be like this. There might be two countries, and they're in conflict. They disagree, but they agree to not use certain weapons, okay? And so in your relationship, you might disagree on something, but you had better agree that there are certain weapons, so to speak, that we will not use, certain things we will not do. In boxing, you know, when the referee gets the two boxers together and says, all right, uh, no punching below the belt. You know, there's just some ground rules that get laid out. Let me give you a few here. First of all, don't call names. Don't call people names. Secondly, never say your mama. (laughs) That does not go well. Watch your volume. What's your volume? See, this is something I alluded to earlier. It seemed like everybody when I was growing up was so loud, just yelling. And so what's your volume? Proverbs 15.1 says that a soft answer, everybody say soft answer. That's too, that was too loud, too loud. Soft answer. Soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh, a harsh word stirs up anger. So we want to, what's our volume? What's your tone? What's your tone? There's times where my volume is here and I'll say something and my tone is off. And Alicia's even said, don't yell at me. And I go, I'm not yelling. She goes, it felt like yelling because of the tone. So watch your, watch your tone. Stay on topic. Don't change subjects because, oh, I'm losing on this one. I'll get something where they're losing, okay? <laughs> Stay on topic. Do not... Do not assault their personality. 
Do not assault their physical characteristics. Don't make fun of anything. Don't say anything disparaging. That's, that's immature. And when you, you know, that's, that's playground stuff where you make fun of something about them or call them name or whatever. And here's the thing. There will be lasting hurt over that. There'll be lasting hurt and division because of that. Get, get this principle as well. The presence of anger distorts communication. The presence of anger distorts communication. If at least one of you is mad, communication is going to be off. And you might say it as sweet and clear as can be, but I'm telling you, anger distorts communication. You want to try to hold anger in, uh, hold it down as best you can. And let me go ahead and say this, and I want to say this strong. This is in all caps, highlighted in red in my notes. I want you to look at me for this. And we're talking about anger and ground rules here. Never, say never. Never touch your spouse, your children, another person, or stuff when you're angry. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to act like I never told it to you before. Never, never touch your spouse, your children, another person, or stuff, or even your pets in anger. Don't do it. You say, well, why would you tell us we're church-going folks? Because it is epidemic in our culture. Why is it epidemic? Because we've not been taught or, nor developed self-control. And when you give in to anger, anger will, anger will snatch you. It will pull you way further than you want it to. There are thresholds, and there are certain thresholds you don't cross. And one of those thresholds is volume. Another threshold is don't touch anybody or anything. There should not be broken stuff and broken people. And you're going to be hurting people and you're going to end up in trouble. And if you're dealing with any of that, get some help, okay? Get some help. It's been modeled for us wrong in many cases. And so that's the only way some people came up, that in their culture, in their family, that's the way things were handled. It is not God's way to handle it. No one wants to be handled that way. Don't handle anybody in that way. Can I get an amen on that this morning? The Bible actually says that if you provoke your family to anger, you will inherit the wind. Well, what does that mean? That means that when the uh, will is read, so to speak, that's the metaphor they're using, and we're finding out what everybody gets, you get nothing, okay? There'll be nothing good to come out of it by, by provoking your family to anger. Look real quick in Colossians chapter 3. You must give up. Everybody say, I must give up. You must give up these things, being bad-tempered, Don't ever again say, you make me mad. You made me mad. No, you decided to be mad. Okay? So give up being bad-tempered. And again, if that's your lifelong habit, let's get it fixed, y'all. Let's get it fixed. You must give up spitefulness. What is spitefulness? That's pushing their buttons on purpose. You say, I can't help but push their buttons. They have more buttons than NASA. You must give up abusive language and dirty talk. Listen to me. I'm amazed at the number of people I've talked to that when they're mad, they can let it all fly. Why would you pollute the atmosphere of your own house and relationships? But, well, I'm mad. That's why I said that. No, we, we don't say that. Don't. The Scripture says you've got to give that up. It serves nothing except to escalate anger and hurt. And then finally, you must give up telling each other lies. Number six, and i got to hurry here. Number six, shift your focus. Shift your focus from your needs to their needs. Self-centeredness, selfishness 
is the biggest obstacle to a healthy family and relationship. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, it says, don't be selfish. Don't live to make a good impression on others. Be humble, thinking of yourselves, thinking of others as better than yourself. Verse 4, don't just think about your own affairs, but be interested in what in others too and in what they are doing. Verse 5, your attitude should be the kind that was shown us by Jesus Christ. Verse 6, who though he was God did not demand and cling to his own rights. And so it's a big shift. Here's, you, you want to know the big game changer? You know, there can be conflict, there can be strife. Here's the big game changer. Here's the big super switcher right here. Is for you, first of all, to say this. I'm sorry. Everybody practice that one time. I'm sorry. And here's the second part of it. I was being selfish. I was just thinking about myself. And then to step on a little further over the line and say, um, what do you want? What do you think about this? And to step over that line in that way. So that's a big, big game changer. Number seven, we're wrapping up here. Get help. Everybody say, get help. You know, it's amazing. There is no shame in getting help. In every other area of life, if we need help, we get help. You know, if your car, you got car problems, you you get a mechanic. You got health problems, you get a doctor. If you got financial problems, you get a you get an accountant. You get a, a, a financial planner or something. You know, if you have legal problems, you get an attorney. And then relational problems, we don't go get help. I don't know why the stigma of shame comes with that. If you need help, get help. And if you need professional help, get professional help. Well, that costs money. You spend money on all kinds of stuff. I've seen all of y'all in Walmart and Target and everywhere else. You got all kinds of stuff. I got all my stuff. Put some of your stuff back and invest in what really, really matters. And you get all your stuff home and be sad and crazy. Get some help. If you get, we offer some help. We, ha- we have during this service, there's a marriage class that goes on every week, every week. On Monday night at 7 o'clock, there's a, there's a care group, not, not a small group, but a care group. It is specifically designed to, help, designed to help in marriage. And then if you do get professional help, and I would encourage you if you need it, get it. Make sure that you get Christian biblical counseling. I can't tell you some of the crazy stuff that I've heard come just from a counselor. You want to have God's ways that you follow. Actually, some of the things I've heard prescribed for marriages by an unchristian counselor actually works against the marriage. It is actually toxic toward it. So make sure you get Christian and biblical counseling. Amen? And then one last thing. One last thing this morning. Oh, let me say this too. And if you say, well, my mate won't go to counseling. You still go. You still go. You go and grow and learn and get equipped. And it also sends a signal to, to your spouse. It sends a signal to them that you're serious about, about getting some help. And then lastly would be this. Good night and goodbye. Good night and goodbye. Try to never go to sleep mad. Try to never leave mad. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says this. Be angry. It happens. And do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Verse 27. Nor give place to the devil. When we continue in our anger, when we continue being upset, it gives space, it gives up real estate, it gives opportunity for the enemy of our soul. And listen to me carefully on this. Strife is the manifest presence of the devil. Peace is the manifest presence of God. Do not just go to bed mad and then just leave it that way all night. You are leaving doors and windows open 
for something you don't want in the atmosphere of your home. Learn to resolve that. I've done this before too. I'm leaving the house. You know, I've got a meeting to go to. I'm coming to the church to preach or whatever. And Alicia and I, yes, Alicia and I would have a discussion. And I'm not done and she's not done. And, and I, but I got to go. I get out of the car and I just can't violate this. I just can't violate this. And I just sometimes have to go back in. Sorry. Now listen though. Because sometimes there's the point of no return. How do we go back and address this and this? And sometimes you just have to agree. Can we just put this whole thing on pause? Can we realize we love each other and we will get through this? And can we realize we're not going to violate God's principles? So I love you. We'll talk later. I love you. Maybe we won't talk later. High five. Okay? And don't go to bed angry. And if you'll do these things, God will help you. The peace of God is the manifest presence of God in your homes. Strife, manifest presence of the enemy. We have no room, no time for that. Amen. I got to stop right there. Did you get anything at all out of this today? Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.